Conclusion His commandments are not grievous. 1 John 5, 3 You have seen that Christ calls for poverty of spirit, pureness of heart, meekness, mercifulness, cheerfulness in suffering persecution, etc., so that no one may hesitate or be troubled at these commands of Christ, I thought good, as a conclusion to the former discourse, to take off the assumptions and preconceptions in people's spirits by this sweet, consoling scripture, His commandments are not grievous. This cynical world objects against religion, that it is difficult and troublesome. Behold, what a weariness is it! Malachi 1, 13. Therefore, the Lord, so that He may invite and encourage us to obedience, presents the Christian religion in its fine complexion and represents it to us as beautiful and pleasant in these words, His commandments are not grievous. This may well be called a sweetening ingredient put into religion, and may serve to take off that bitterness and harshness that the carnal world wants to put upon the ways of God. To clarify the terms, let us consider 1. What is meant here by commandments? By commandments, I understand it to refer to gospel precepts such as faith, repentance, self denial, etc. And 2. What is meant by not grievous? The Greek word signifies that they are not tedious or heavy to be carried. There is an understatement in the words, His commands are not grievous. That is, they are easy, sweet, excellent. Observe, therefore, when he calls us to be meek, merciful, and pure in heart, that none of God's commandments are grievous. These commandments are not grievous. My burden is light. Matthew 11:30. The Greek word there for burden signifies properly the ballast of a ship that glides through the waves as swiftly and easily as if the ship had no weight or pressure in it. Christ's commandments are like the ballast of a ship. They are useful, but not troublesome. All His precepts are sweet and simple. Therefore, they are called pleasantness. Proverbs 3.17 To illustrate and expand upon this, consider two things. 1. Why Christ gives commands to His people, and 2. These commands are not grievous. Why Christ gives commands to His people? There are two reasons. In regard to Christ, it is suitable to His dignity and majesty. He is supreme Lord. He hath on His vesture and on His thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Revelation 19.16. Will not a king appoint laws for his subjects? It is one of the regal rights, the flowers of the crown, to enact laws and statutes. What is a king without his laws? Will not Christ, by whom kings reign, Proverbs 8.15, put forth his royal edicts by which the world shall be governed? And in regard to the saints, it is good for the people of God that they have laws to restrict and restrain the excesses of their unruly hearts. How far would the vine spread its luxuriant branches if it were not pruned and tied? The heart would be ready to run wild in sin if it did not have affliction to prune it and the laws of Christ to bind it. The precepts of Christ are called a yoke. Matthew 11:30. The yoke is useful. It keeps the oxen in from straggling and running away. 
In the same way, the precepts of Christ as a yoke keep the godly from straggling into sin. Where would we not run, and into what wicked opinions and practices would we not get, if Christ's laws did not lay a check and restraint upon us? Blessed be God for precepts. It is a blessed yoke that yokes our corruptions. We would run to hell if it were not for this yoke. The laws of Christ are a spiritual hedge that keeps the people of God within the pastures of His commands. Some people who have broken this hedge and have wandered are now in the devil's fold. We see then what need the saints have of the royal law. Christ's commands are not grievous. I confess that they are grievous to the unregenerate person. To mourn for sin, to be pure in heart, and to suffer persecution for righteousness' sake is a difficult thought, and is grievous to flesh and blood. Therefore, Christ's commands are compared to bands and cords, because carnal people view them as such. God's commands restrain people from their excess and bind them to their good behavior. Therefore, they hate these bonds, and instead of breaking off sin, they say, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Psalm 2 3. A carnal person is like an untamed heifer that will not endure the yoke, but kicks and jumps, or behaves like a wild bull in a net. Isaiah 51 20. To a person in the natural state, Christ's commands are grievous. Even to a child of God, as far as corruption prevails, for he is only in part regenerate, Christ's laws seem troublesome. The flesh cries out that it cannot pray or suffer. The law in the body rebels against Christ's law. Romans 7.23 Only the spiritual part prevails and makes the flesh bow to Christ's commands. A regenerate person, as far as he is regenerate, does not consider God's commandments grievous. They are not a burden, but a delight. Divine commands are not grievous if we consider them first positively in these eight points. 1. A Christian consents to God's commands, therefore they are not grievous. I consent unto the law that it is good. Romans 7.16 What is done with consent is easy. If the young woman gives her consent, the marriage takes place happily. A godly man, in his judgment, approves of Christ's laws, and in his will consents to them. Therefore, they are not grievous. A wicked man is under compulsion. Terror of conscience drags him to duty. He is like a slave who is chained to the galley. He must work, whether he wants to or not. He is forced to pull the rope and tug at the oar. However, a godly man is like a free subject who consents to his prince's laws and obeys out of choice because he sees the justice and reasonableness of them. A gracious heart sees beauty and justice in the commands of heaven. This draws forth consent, and this consent makes them not grievous. 2. They are Christ's commands, therefore they are not grievous. Take my yoke, Matthew 11.29. Gospel commands are not the laws of a tyrant, but of a saviour. The husband's commands are not grievous to the wife. It is her desire to obey. This is enough to inspire and encourage obedience, that they are Christ's commands. 
As Peter said in another sense, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water, Matthew 14:28. So a gracious soul says, Lord, if it is you who wants me to mourn for sin and breathe after heart purity, if it is you, dear Saviour, who asks me to do these things, I will cheerfully obey. Your commandments are not grievous. At the word of his general, a soldier makes a brave attempt. 3. Christians obey out of a principle of love, and then God's commandments are not grievous. That's why in the Bible, serving and loving God are put together. The sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love the name of the Lord. Isaiah 56, 6. Nothing is grievous to the person who loves. Love lightens a burden. It adds wings to obedience. A heart that loves God considers nothing tedious except its own dullness and slowness of motion. Love makes sin heavy, and Christ's burden light. 4. A Christian is carried on by the help of the Spirit, and the Spirit makes every duty easy. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Romans 8.26 The Spirit works in us both to will and to do. Philippians 2.13 When God enables us to do what He commands, then His commandments are not grievous. 1 John 5.3 If two carry a burden, it's easy. The Spirit of God helps us to do our duty and to bear our burdens. It's as if He pulls in the yoke with us. If the author guides the child's hand and helps him to form a letter, it's not then difficult for the child to write. If the magnet draws the iron, it's not difficult for the iron to move. If the Spirit of God, as a divine magnet, draws and moves the heart, it's not then difficult to obey. When the bird has been given wings, it can fly. Although the soul by itself is unable to do that which is good, yet having two wings given to it, like that woman in the book of Revelation, Revelation 12:14, the wing of faith and the wing of the Spirit, it can then fly swiftly in obedience. The Spirit lifted me up, Ezekiel 11, 1. The heart is heavenly in prayer when the Spirit lifts it up. The sails of a windmill cannot move on their own, but when the wind blows, they turn. When a gale of the Spirit blows upon the soul, then the sails of the affections move swiftly in duty. 5. All Christ's commands are beneficial, not grievous. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good? Deuteronomy 10, 12-13 Christ's commands carry meat in their mouths, and then surely they are not grievous. Salvation runs along in every precept. To obey Christ's laws is not as much a duty as our privilege. All Christ's commands center in blessedness. Medicine, in itself, can be very unpleasant, but because it leads to health, no one refuses it. Divine precepts are troublesome to the flesh, but having such excellent operation as to make us both holy and happy, they are not to be considered grievous. 
The apprentice is content to go through hard service because it makes way for his freedom. The scholar willingly wrestles with the complex difficulties of arts and sciences because they serve both to ennoble and advance him. How cheerfully does a believer obey those laws that reveal Christ's love! That suffering is not grievous that leads to a crown. This made the Apostle Paul say, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. 2 Corinthians 12.10. 6. It is honorable to be under Christ's commands. Therefore, they are not grievous. The precepts of Christ do not burden us, but adorn us. It is an honor to be employed in Christ's service. How cheerfully did the rowers row the barge that carried Caesar! The honor makes the precept easy. A crown of gold is in itself heavy, but the honor of the crown makes it light and easy to be worn. I may say about every command of Christ what Solomon said about wisdom. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Proverbs 4, 9. It is honorable working at court. The honor of Christ's yoke makes it easy and desirable. 7. Christ's commands are sweetened with joy, and then they are not grievous. Cicero questioned whether that which is carried with joy and pleasure can properly be called a burden. When the wheels of a chariot are oiled, they run swiftly. When God pours in the oil of gladness, the soul runs fast in the ways of His commandments. Joy strengthens for duty. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 7.10 And the more strength, the less weariness there is. God sometimes brings more comfort, and then the Christian can run in the yoke. And 8. Gospel commands are limited. Therefore, they are not grievous. Christ will not always be placing His commands upon us. Christ will soon take off the yoke from our necks and set a crown upon our heads. There is a time coming when we will not only be free from our sins, but we will also be free from our duties. Prayer and fasting are bothersome to the flesh. In heaven there will be no need of prayer or repentance. Duties will cease there. Indeed, in heaven the saints will love God, but love is no burden. God will shine forth in His beauty, and to fall in love with beauty is not grievous. In heaven the saints will praise God, but their praising Him will be so sweetened with delight that it will not be a duty any more, but will be part of their reward. It is the angel's heaven to praise God. This makes Christ's commands not grievous. Even though they are spiritual, yet they are temporary. It's only a while, and then duties will be no more. The saints will not so much be under commands as embraces. Wait only a while, and you will put off your armor and end your weary marches. We have therefore seen that Christ's commands considered in themselves are not grievous. Let us consider Christ's commands comparatively, and we will see that they are not grievous. Let's make a fourfold comparison. Compare gospel commands one with the severity of the moral law, two with the commands of sin, three with the torments of the damned, and four with the glory of heaven. 
1. Christ's commands in the gospel are not grievous compared with the severity of the moral law. The moral law was such a burden as neither we nor our fathers could bear. Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians 3.10 It's impossible that any Christian would meet the strictness of this. The golden mandates of the gospel are comparatively easy. In the gospel, if there is a desire to keep God's commandments, it's accepted. If there be first a willing mind, it is accepted. 2 Corinthians 8.12 See also Nehemiah 1.11 No matter how good an intent a person had to fulfill the moral law, it would not have been accepted. He must de facto, in actual deed, have obeyed. Galatians 3.12 In the gospel, though, God crowns the desire. If a Christian says in humility, Lord, I desire to obey you, I want to be more holy, Isaiah 26, 8, this desire springing from love passes for actuality. In the gospel, a surety, someone to assume responsibility in your place, is permitted in the court. The law would not allow a surety. It required personal obedience. But now, God so far obliges us that what we cannot do on our own we may do by a proxy. Christ is called a surety of a better testament. Hebrews 7.22 We cannot walk so precisely. We tread crookedly and fall short in everything. But God looks upon us in our surety, and as Christ has fulfilled all righteousness, Matthew 3.15, it is as if we had fulfilled the law in our own persons. The law commanded and threatened, but gave no strength to perform. It Egyptianized, requiring the full number of bricks, but gave no straw. Exodus 5. But now God, with His commands, gives power. Gospel precepts are sweetened with promises. God commands, Make you a new heart. Ezekiel 18.31. The soul may say, Lord, can I make a new heart? I can as well make a new world. However, see Ezekiel 36.26, A new heart also will I give you. God commands us to cleanse ourselves, wash you, make you clean, Isaiah 1.16. We might say, Lord, I don't have power to cleanse myself. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Job 14.4. See the precept turned into a promise. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Ezekiel 36.25 If, when the child cannot go, the father takes him by the hand and leads him, then it's not difficult for the child to go. When we cannot go, God takes us by the hand. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms. Hosea 11.3 In the Gospel, God passes over weaknesses where the heart is right. It is with our best duties as with gold. Put the gold in the fire, and you will see dross come out. What impurities there are in our holy things! But in the gospel, although God will not tolerate defiance and rebellion, yet He will overlook weaknesses. Therefore, we see that Christ's commands in the gospel are not grievous compared with the severity of the moral law. Two. Christ's commands are not grievous compared with the commands of sin. Sin lays a heavy yoke upon people. 
Sin is compared to a talent of lead, Zechariah 5.7, to show the weightiness of it. The commands of sin are burdensome. How a person tires and afflicts himself when he is under the power and rage of any lust, whether it be covetousness or ambition. What dangers he risks, even endangering his health and soul, that he may satisfy his lust. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. Jeremiah 9, 5. Are not Christ's precepts easy and sweet in comparison to sin's strict and relentless commands? John Chrysostom says well that virtue is easier than vice. Temperance is less burdensome than drunkenness. Doing right is less burdensome than violence. There is more difficulty and discomfort in devising, Micah 2, 1, and pursuing wicked ends than in obeying the sweet and gentle precepts of Christ. This is why a wicked person is said to travail with iniquity, Psalm 7, 14, to show what restless pain and trouble he has in bringing about his wickedness. What tedious and hazardous journeys Antiochus Epiphanes took in persecuting the Jews. Many have gone with more pain to hell than others have to heaven. 3. Christ's commands are not grievous compared with the grievous torments of the damned. The rich man cries out, I am tormented in this flame. Luke 16:24. Hellfire is so inconceivably torturing that the wicked don't know either how to bear or to avoid it. The torment of the damned may be compared to a yoke, and it differs from other yokes. Usually the yoke is laid only upon the neck of the beast, but the yoke of hell is laid upon every part of the sinner. His eyes will behold nothing but vicious tragedies. His ears will hear the groans and shrieks of blaspheming spirits. He will suffer in every part of his body and sense of his soul, and this agony, though violent, is perpetual. The yoke of the damned will never be taken off. The footprints show no return. Sinners might break the golden chain of God's commands, but they cannot break the iron chain of his punishments. It is as impossible for them to file through this chain as to climb to heaven. Are not gospel commands easy? In comparison with the torments of hell? What does Christ command? He tells you to repent. Is it not better to weep for sin than to bleed for it? Christ tells you to pray with your families and to pray when you are alone with God. Is it not better to pray than to scream in pain? He tells you to sanctify the Sabbath. Is it not better to keep a holy rest to the Lord than to be forever without rest? Hell is a restless place. There is no suspension of torment for even one minute of an hour. I appeal to your consciences. Are not Christ's commands sweet and easy in comparison to the insupportable agony of reprobates? Is not obeying better than being condemned? Are not the cords of love better than the chains of darkness? And for Gospel commands are not grievous compared with the glory of heaven. What an infinite disproportion is there between service and reward! What are all the saints' labors and travails in Christianity compared with the crown of recompense? The weight of glory makes duty light.
Observe here an encouraging argument to the Christian religion, how this may make us in love with the ways of God. His commandments are not grievous. Believers are not now under the thundering curses of the law, nor under its ceremonies, which were both numerous and burdensome. The ways of God are just. His statutes are good and right. He tells us to mourn so that we may be comforted. He tells us to be poor in spirit so that he may settle a kingdom upon us. God is not a hard master. His commandments are not grievous. O Christian, serve God out of choice. Psalm 119, 3. Think of the joy, the honor, and the reward of godliness. Never again refuse God your service. Let your hearts embrace whatever He decrees and requires. It condemns those who refuse to obey these sweet and gentle commands of Christ. Israel would none of me. Psalm 81, 11. We may cry out with Augustine that most people choose to put their neck in the devil's yoke rather than to submit to the sweet and easy yoke of Christ. What would be the reason when God's commandments are not grievous, His ways are pleasant, and His service is perfect freedom, that people would not submit to Christ's scepter nor stoop to His laws? Surely the cause may be that inborn hatred that is naturally in people's hearts against Christ. Sinners are called haters of God. Romans 1.30. Sin brings about not only a dislike of the ways of God, but hatred, and disloyalty flows from hatred. His citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. Luke 19.14. In addition to this inborn hatred against Christ, the devil labors to blow the coals and increase this contempt and animosity. He raises an evil report against the Christian religion, just as those spies did about Canaan. They brought up an evil report of the land. Numbers 13.32 Satan is unrelentingly malicious. Just as he sometimes accuses us to God, so he accuses God to us, and says, He is a hard master, and his commandments are grievous. It is the devil's intent to do as the sons of Eli, who caused the offering of God to be abhorred. 1 Samuel 2.17 If there is any hatred and prejudice in the heart against Christianity, an enemy hath done this. Matthew 13.28.38 the devil raises in our hearts a twofold prejudice against Christ and his ways. 1. The lack of those who embrace true Christianity. The way of Christ is only a pathway, Psalm 119:35, whereas the way of pleasure and vanity is the roadway. Many people ignorantly conclude that the best way must be the way that most people go. I answer that there are only a few who are saved, and will you reject salvation because so few are saved? No one argues like this in other things. People don't say that there are only a few who are rich, so I don't want to be rich. Rather, they strive even more to be rich. Why should we not wisely argue this way about our souls? There are only a few who go to heaven. Therefore, we will strive even more to be one of those few. What a weak argument it is 
to say that there are only a few who embrace Christianity, so therefore you will not. Those things that are more excellent are rarer. There are not many pearls and diamonds. In Rome there are only a few senators. The fewness of those who embrace Christianity argues the excellence of the way of the Christian religion. As Horace wrote, it's not every man who can go to Corinth. We are warned not to sail with the multitude. Exodus 23:2. Most fish go to the devil's net. And two, the scandals and sins of those who profess to be Christian cause many to view Christianity as undesirable and unpleasant. I answer that I acknowledge that the radiance of the Christian religion has been much eclipsed and darkened by the scandals and sins of professing Christians. This is an age of scandals. Many have made the pretense of the Christian religion a key to open the door to all ungodliness. Never was God's name more taken in vain. This is that which our Saviour has foretold. It must needs be that offences come. Matthew 18:7. However, to take away this prejudice, consider that sins and scandals are not from the Christian religion, but for lack of it. Christianity is not worse off even though some people abuse it. To dislike Christianity because some people who profess to be Christian are scandalous is as if one should say that because an employee is dishonest, therefore you won't think well of his employer. Is Christ any less glorious because some who wear his uniform are shameful? Is Christianity worse because some of its followers are bad? Is wine any worse because some people drink excessively? Should a woman dislike purity because some of her neighbors are immoral? Let us argue reasonably. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. John 7:24. God sometimes allows scandals to fall out in the church intentionally. One, as a just judgment upon hypocrites. These envious religious people serve God for their own purposes. In justice, the Lord allows them to fall into abhorrent, sinful practices so that He may expose their wickedness to the world, and that all may see they were only artificial Christians and painted devils. Judas was first a sly hypocrite and afterward a visible traitor. 2. Scandals are for hardening the hearts of the profane. Some careless sinners, who would never give God a good word, and who reject and oppose Christianity, will be wounded by it. God lets scandals occur to speed some people on in their sin and to engulf them more in sin. Jesus Christ, God blessed forever, Romans 9, 5, is to some a rock of offense, Romans 9, 33. His blood, which is balm to some, is poison to others. If the beauty of Christianity does not attract, the scandals of some of its followers will hurry people to hell. And three, scandals in the church are to warn the godly. The Lord wants His people to walk fearfully. Be not high-minded, but fear. Romans 11.20 When cedars fall, let the bruised reed tremble. Isaiah 42.3 The scandals of those who profess to be Christian are not to discourage us, but are to warn us. Let us tread more cautiously. 
the scandals of others are beacons for the saints to avoid. Let all this serve to remove this bias against Christianity. Although Satan may use false disguises to try to make the gospel seem abhorrent, there is still a beauty and a glory in it. God's commandments are not grievous. Let me persuade all people graciously to embrace the ways of God. His commandments are not grievous. God never burdens us except that He may unburden us of our sins. His commands are our privileges. There is joy in the way of duty. Psalm 19, 11, and heaven awaits us at the end.